Welcome back, Spokane, to another episode of Ever Real Talks. I'm your host, Matt Side, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Jessica Side. Hi, everybody. usually prefers to introduce herself, but I thought I'd take over. That's all right. So we've had a bit of an adventure over the last 24 hours. We have. Because, so if you listen carefully, maybe not even that carefully, you will hear a hum in the background. And that is because... We what had is a, that white noise? <laughs> that is not a really powerful white noise machine. That is um, uh, something Those that's are drying out. fans and dehumidifiers because, surprisingly, if the supply line to the back of your toilet starts to leak, drip, 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 a little faster, it creates a puddle yes. that then goes under your molding. Mm-hmm. And then down the inside of the wall to the ceiling of your finished basement and mm-hmm. soon begins to drip out of your light fixtures and your heat vents and any possible crack or drywall screw area yeah. until your daughter, hours and hours and hours later, because everybody's at work and school, steps into a puddle of water in the basement bathroom that's sourced from the upstairs bathroom. That's right. All of that to say, we had a leak. <laughs> My <laughs> lord. <laughs> That was long. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Can we I had say a leak, I'm descriptive. and so we are. We had to call a professional company. Restoration One came immediately. Shout out to Jason Cisco and the peeps at Restoration One. Yes. Seriously, they, they were here first thing this morning. Yeah. So anyway, that's the reason why you have a little bit of an extra hum in this recording. So hopefully everyone will be okay with that. <laughs> well, they're going to have to be. be. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, uh, glad we have insurance. Uh, okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about um, something that came up for me a few weeks ago. We were in Glacier National Park a few weeks ago, and most of the time we have stayed either on the Going to the Sun Road or we've gone to a place called Swift Current Inn, which is we, now we've stayed there twice, and we absolutely love it. Uh, but when, I'm sorry, when you say stayed on going to the Sun Road, meaning that we have not diverted far from that. Correct. Like we didn't like pitch a tent on no, going we to didn't. the Sun Road. That would be kind of cool though. <laughs> Dangerous, but cool. Probably illegal. Um, so my sister-in-law decided that we should book one night in a place called Lake McDonald's, which is kind of, it is the one of the first things you get to when you Yeah, very drive shortly after West, West Glacier. Glacier. So, but we had never really been there. So we went there. Uh, I get out, I do the registration, I come back out, and Matt had been doing some reading while I was inside. I was actually eavesdropping on one of the tour groups. Oh, okay. And found out that the architect for the lodge there at Lake McDonald was Kirtland Cutter. And I was so excited about this news. I knew news. she would be. And so I want to talk a little bit about it, because I have been hearing the Cutter name since I was a little girl. Like, I don't know if it was a thing in your family, but in my family, it certainly was. My mom would comment all the time on his buildings, or she would say, I wonder if that's a Kirtland Cutter building. Why do you think that is? Do you have a well, hypothesis well, to that? Well, part of my hypothesis is that she lived on the South Hill. So growing, not growing up, because she was only what, here in high school. Let me ask you school. this question. Yeah. Was Mary Cliff an, a building that was... A Kirtland Cutter building? Kirtland Cutter building. Boy, I don't think so it wasn't in the I, list of buildings that as I you had were seen. talking I, was yeah. like, I wonder if it was part of the history of her school Mary right. Cliff yeah and which we'll talk about another time um I think it was the, the the mixture of living on the south hill and um getting married in one of his buildings actually 
So I think, and then just oh, the okay. history, they lived in the Lower South Hill in different apartments and things like that. So I'll have to ask her about that. So I decided, you know what? This is kind of cool. I'm going to learn a little bit about Kirtland Cutter. And it's Cutter. been a while we've, since we've done some Spokane history. Some Spokane so. history. So let's talk about Kirtland Cutter. Some of you have no idea who I'm talking about, and we're going to get into it. So he was born in 1860 in Rockport, Ohio. He grew up on a farm um, with his, uh, uh, not with his grandparents, but I think his grandparents maybe were on the same plot of land. His grandfather was a naturalist and a doctor. I think he was kind of prominent in hmm. his area. Um when, when you say was, a naturalist, like a naturopath, when they say that? No. Or like a... A naturalist is someone... Out in the field. Like, yes. Okay. Yes. I Trees just wasn't and birds sure if and... there was a different meaning. No. So many. Those are called witch doctors back then. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I don't mean that. I'm... I'm anyway. <laughs> don't mean to offend anyone. I mean back in the day, people... If you're using you're herbs and stuff... You're a naturopath. You're a freaking witch doctor. <laughs> Not now. Just in the back then. Oh my gosh. God. Okay. So when he was 14, what he do you began. Doulas? Okay, when he was 14, he began Cleveland's prestigious Brooks School, sometimes called Brooks Military Academy. Um, and he was not a star student. He was not a star athlete. He didn't really stand out in any particular way. But after the Brooks School, he went to Arts Students League of New York. Okay, so he obviously was interested in art at that point. Um, he wanted to be an illustrator. And then he went on to study, so in New York, then he went on to study in Dresden, which is in Germany, and in Florence. Um, so he spent some time there. He came to Spokane in 1886 because he had an uncle here who I believe owned a bank. Either that or he What's was this, high up in the bank. Do you know his name? Um, not in the notes. Not in my notes. So, yeah. Anybody, his uncle. If anybody knows his uncle's name. I'm, I'm sure I just omitted it um so he decided to move here um and he and then he decided to move away from his art career because it wasn't really making him any money and he decided to pursue architecture um it's a better use of your art but talent. he but he still had to supplement his art with at being a teller at the bank which is such a like <laughs> his art or his architecture both. I mean, his art was not really taking off, um, making him any money. And then he decided to go into architecture, but he still had to work as a teller in the bank because he had no name for himself. In 1886, you know, he just comes here with no name. Yeah, totally. So his first job was a commission from his uncle, and he rebuilt his own house. So his uncle built his own house in a Swiss style. So that's okay. a big thing, right? So, so Kirtland Cutter... If you look at the style of homes that he created, envisioned, and then brought to life here in Spokane, a lot of them had that Swiss chalet look, which if you think about it, he studied in Dresden. Okay, that makes so you get total a lot of sense. That. And you have to pause for a second <laughs> because mm -hmm. that was a big thing that the tour guide was making a huge deal out of yes. at Lake McDonald was mm -hmm. the Swiss chalet feel and that's why they commissioned him to be the architect Correct. for that because of the setting and the mountain right. lake and they wanted it to feel like a swiss lodge right so so interestingly enough the brooks school that kirtland cutter attended was a half timbered schoolhouse with diagonal cross braces and that they believe influenced him hmm. at a young age because he was there for you know a good period of time several years being influenced by that beautiful architecture of that place so, uh, so his two most important commissions came in 1889, besides his uncle, James Glover, 
so considered the father of Spokane, uh, and F. Rockwood Moore. Hmm. So all four of the homes that, that he built, so his uncle, he built himself a home, and then these two gentlemen, they were all on the South Hill. So that's why I say because my mom lived on the South Hill, Lower South Hill, that's where a lot of his buildings sure. are. Um, so And then he just began his career doing timber Tudor style homes. Um, in 1889, it's really important in our history because... There was a fire. That's right. That was the great fire. We talked about that a little bit. So he was um, ready, waiting in the wings. He was there poised with his little architecture business. And now downtown needed a lot of rebuilding. So mm. he and his partner, Poets, Poets, I don't know if you say Poets or Poets, um, they started getting all the getting all the business. So Kirtland was the artist and Poets was the structural oh, technical guy okay. um so they designed i want to just name some of the buildings that they designed first national bank the rookery building white house store sherwood building Petticord hotel davenport's restaurant because remember at that same time davenport had started like a pancake house and so he had built he was he started in the restaurant business um John W. Graham building the Spokane Club the Washington Water Power substation and the so you know that that's mm -hmm. where like um, Mobius is yes, right now that's right um, the steam plant West uh, Western Union Life Insurance Jeez. Company the Crescent Store and the spectacular Davenport Hotel did he which he completed he in build himself a new house after all this business <laughs> I'm sure he did <laughs> um, actually that's very interesting I'll talk about that I think I've got that in my notes um, completed in 1914 the Davenport Hotel so those are just like among the like the first just a few of Spokane's yeah. iconic buildings Downtown. still today. Yes. So started out residential, moved to this commercial stuff. Um, they went on the the two of them went on to build a home for the Chicago World's Fair in 1893, using it was actually the Idaho House because if you remember World's Fairs, they always kind of do it by state, like you know, or country oh, or right, whatever. Okay. Yeah. So it was called the Idaho House, and it was a it was used Idaho timber and Idaho basalt, and it won not only a ton of accolades, but there was an Englishman there who said, I love this so much that I want a replica of it in England. So one of his houses is actually in England. Um, so it seems that as soon as the, ty the, the tycoons in this area uh, made their fortunes in mines, they hired Kirtland Cutter. That was just what they did. Um, and then he had a new partner hmm. at this time. So most of his places were built. We got downtown because we talked about that. We have the South Hill and Brown's edition because that's kind of where everybody was going. Sure. Um, I mean, it so, was really kind of the extent of the majority of Spokane. Yeah. I have to remember it was a tiny town. A tiny the time. town. Um, and a lot of those <coughs> people actually, if you remember when we went to Wallace, Idaho, mm. a lot of them mm -hmm. had their second still, homes their homes. there. Because well, it was their first home, technically. Sure, because that's where the mine here. was. Yeah, um, and they had these spectacular mm -hmm. homes. So the, some of the people that he built for then were um, John A. Finch, um, Patrick or Patsy Clark, um, um, Amesa Campbell. So again, these are all like most people know Patsy these names. Clarks, the Campbell House. That's right, Finch Arboretum. Um, then you have some people I've never heard of, but I'm sure they're important. W.J.C. Wakefield, he Henry Richards. R.L. Rudder, so Rudder is Rudder a park. Parkway, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Lewis uh, Davenport, D.C., and 
Austin Corbin, uh, J.M. This feels Corbett. like a list of white privilege. Yes, it does. <laughs> F. Lewis Clark. I know it's always in the background. So, and they even had one they one rural house that was J.P. Graves, and he named it Waikiki, even though it was English estate on the Little Spokane River. Oh, okay, interesting. And that's, so that's how they be... named Waikiki <laughs> Drive. Yeah. Wow. So he also ended up completing a lot of work in Seattle um, and even teaming up with the Olmsted Brothers, the landscape company. Sure. I mean, if you're an architect, about. landscape architects and architects themselves, yeah. like being able to create some amazing places. I mm-hmm. mean, all many of those places that you list are wonderful. I mean, the Campbell House is a museum still, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yep. yep. So, yep, yep. I mean, they're... Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah. So my mom and my dad got married at Patsy Clark. So when I say that's... Which recently sold for... 1.7 Was it 1.7? I think so. And I mean, it was... My goodness, Patsy Clark's was a restaurant when we were kids. And then it was a law firm for a while. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Somebody's doing something to it. I don't know what they're doing. Bed and breakfast would be amazing. That would be cool. Maybe it's going to be a private residence again. (laughs) So he was commissioned to build a home for uh, W.H. Coles of the Browns edition fame in Southern California, which was good because Spokane was not a great place for his business after World War II, because after World War II, the clients were not as wealthy and they just could not afford his lavish designs. So he was losing out to younger, less expensive architects at that time. Sure. The shift, there was such a shift in home ownership. Yeah. Um, thank goodness <laughs> for all of us who wouldn't be able to afford any of that anyway. Um, so June 1921, this is kind of a cool thing. Architect and Engineer, uh, which is a, a magazine or a newspaper of some sort, um, focused on Spokane and announced that a jury of distinguished architects had, had selected 10 most notable buildings in the city. Of those 10, six of them were his designs. Wow. So he had... a. a Again, quite a repertoire, but he ended up moving and, and living in California. California. Um, so obviously, when did he, do you, he? I mean, you may not know this. When did he die? Like what year? Um, I'm trying to remember. I here's what I do know: that when he did die, people believed that his body was one place, but found out that he had been buried in Hawaii of all things. They loved he okay. and his wife. His their ashes were in Hawaii, and there was like this. It was kind of a big like debacle about where his body had been, had been laid to rest. Um, so Wikipedia, which is kind of cool, Wikipedia has all the addresses of his buildings, and I would love to actually do that for a day and like oh, drive around and see all of the buildings that he was the architect for. I didn't have this written down, but you asked the question, and I thought I would answer it. That he lived in a, in a beautiful kind of Swiss chalet home but it was very simple and it was not nearly as lavish as some of the other stuff it was a, it was very much his you, you have to understand he he there was a simplicity even though obviously it was expensive the stuff that he did but it was a very simplistic and it was very much about wood grain and all mm-hmm. those things so his place was a pretty pretty neat I saw some pictures and read some things about it, and I, I don't know exactly. I'm, I'm hoping that we can find it on our little drive. Yeah. Uh, when we go and try and find all of his buildings, but anyway, yeah, that well, is. Cool. Uh, so if you want to do your own tour, you can. Yeah. Look go up to Wikipedia. Addresses and it's, and it's Kirtland, K I R T, L A N D. Kirtland. 
cutter. That's right. That's right. One of the founding fathers of Spokane, yeah, Washington. Certainly the founding Absol- architect. I mean, you have to you have to give him a founding father status. I mean, okay. at some level. Yeah. I mean, if you're that instrumental in the architecture of I a city. I think I think of founding fathers as being people that influenced politics and I, like stuff I, I like don't that. disagree with you on that yeah. but I think that the founding father is someone of influence on a city and yeah. when yours when a city has that much of your thumbprint on it yeah you have to be a founding father in yeah. my book so thanks mom for always um uh bringing up his name and me going "Ooh, he must be famous <laughs> he must be famous and he kind of is and he he, he, made, he had a lot Spokane of influence history, here he sure is yeah. we'll have to check out if He's, Mary Cliff is on that list yeah and he also was like instrumental and and foundational to the arts and craft like that that style of he he contributed a lot to that in the Hmm. world so yeah that's all right matthew what do you got for us today you know it's interesting because it's kind of not too far off of what you're talking about okay and sometimes we collaborate on what we're going to talk about and today we absolutely had no collaboration and i gained inspiration only a few hours ago oh, on what I was going to talk yeah. about. So it has nothing to do with what you were talking about, like, I, at least the precursor. I was that. not influencing you. Yes, thank you. Okay. I appreciate that. What I want to talk about is alternative living. Alternative like, living. When, when we think about homes, mm-hmm. immediately we all have a picture that comes into our mind, and that is probably not an alternative living okay. solution or place probably a stick built home mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's a manufactured home but it's or a condominium or something mm-hmm. but we have a picture that comes into our mind what i want to talk about today are barn dominiums barn dominiums okay uh it's a new word to me it was, it's a new <laughs> word to me not long ago too and i'm like hey isn't this my business shouldn't i know about this <laughs> shouses okay uh, and then okay, okay, shipping guess, container homes. Okay, shouses. I figured a shouse was like a house in a shower. Am I right? <laughs> what? Okay, shouse. Shower about, house. Okay, so these are all... <laughs> oh my God. Um, these are all... Uh, now I'm spacing out the word. A neologistic portmanteau. Okay. Which is a combination of two words together. Okay. Uh, so a barnuminium... Okay. Is a, a barn, barn and, and a, a condominium. No. I'm kidding. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, what? Uh, and then a shouse is a... Shower. <laughs> it's and a house. a shower. It? It's a, a shop. Sh- oh, shop. A shop. Okay, I don't know. A shower in a house. Every house has a shower in it. Oh, my God. Imagine. Uh, and then this shipping container homes is not... Okay. That would be shintainer. Shintainer. Or... Contouse. Contouse. Yes, that's good. So we're going to be talking about barn dominiums, shouses, and contouses. Okay. <laughs> I just want the world to know that I came up with it first. All right. Oh, my God. How much more time do people have to listen to us? All right. So let's talk about barn dominiums. Okay. Barn dominium, uh, as of June 2021, mm-hmm. the term barn dominium is searched for on Google over 200,000 times a month. Okay. It, uh, hashtag Burn Dominium has over 85 million views on TikTok. So, uh, the fact that about 12 hours ago I had never even heard of the word, I'm like, what? Okay. So, Barn Dominium, first used by a real estate developer named Carl Nilsson, who had, had envisioned a planned community around an equestrian, 
wow, equestrian theme okay. uh, back in the 1980s um, in Colbrook, Connecticut. Kind of the idea of like land, like almost like a garage condominium is today that you would have like ownership of a, of a horse stall was kind of, I think the idea originally. Okay. Like I would not own the entire property, uh-huh. but I would be able to own. Live in a horse stall. Not live okay. in a, I would own a horse stall that I would have my horse in, oh. but ownership of it. Just like a garage condominium okay. I own to put my boat in. Oh, I thought you meant for people. Okay. Well, I get, I get, okay. I'm not, at the time. I got it. Okay. Continue. In the 2010s. Our good friends Chip and Joanna Gaines. Okay. Um, Hi guys. Hey. Good to shout see you. out <laughs> Chip and Joanna. Uh, season three, episode six of their HGTV show, Fixer okay. Upper. They actually renovated a barn mm-hmm. with a thousand square foot attic and horse stalls into a contemporary barn dominium home, and that from that point forward, obviously, when it's on HGTV. Lots and lots of people see it. So mm-hmm. what a barn dominium is, is actually either a conversion okay. of a of a barn, or if it's a shouse, a shop, into a living space, or okay. the or the like convergence of those two things. And then the horses live in the bottom, so you don't have to... Like, you have horse stalls in the bottom, you got an apartment on top, and you buy a lot of candles. And scented you candles. have a really, really large separation space between okay. up okay. and down. Gotcha. I, the idea of a barn dominium isn't necessarily that it's still used as a barn. Okay. Though I, I think, I, I, I mean, well, I no, really I'm sure some people actually do. If they have to have, I'm like sure, if there are people that there take care absolutely of somebody that okay. will do that. Okay. I think there are others who look at a piece of property and say, this is a really cool piece of property and I want to turn that barn into an actual house. Okay. Or I want to have that kind of totally alternative feel to the Let way I live. Let me ask you this question, and you don't have to have the answer. If I don't, I'll make it up, and you know that. I'm just curious if you are going to talk at all about the barriers to this via regulations. I am a little bit going to talk about okay. that, yeah. Okay. So okay. don't let me forget. Okay. Let's come back to it. All right, so I think we all get the idea or the picture of yeah. what a barn dominium is. Now, I will say, if you're actually interested in this, go to barndominium.com, and there is there's an ebook you can download. There are building plans that you can and buy I'm sure and download. That if you just go to everreal.com, we will have a link. Yeah, to we'll this. have a link to that. But <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I think we get the idea too between the difference between shouses and barn dominiums. In, I mean, in in all for all intents and purposes, they're kind of the same thing. Sure. One of them is more of the like the spaces being used more of a sh- as a shop than a barn or vice versa. But um, so let's talk about one of the things like what is the attraction to something like this? Yeah. In a market that we've we're in that we talk about where there's just such low supply, the cost of construction is really, really high, the timeline from start to finish on a new stick built house is forever and a year. Uh, the idea of either converting something that's existing like this or taking a piece of property and building something that is a almost kind of like a pole barn frame super fast and inexpensive to throw up compared to a mm-hmm. normal house can be attractive. So let's just talk a little bit about cost. And again, these these were, um, I, I got this off the barndominium.com. Um, so the lowest price that they were able to find, because you can buy kits. Okay. Just like do it, either do it yourself or have your contractor do it for you. Okay. Kits. The least expensive they found was $20 per square foot for a barndo kit. And when you say, is that just for the footprint 
Well, it, it? no, it's for... It, well, I mean, it's for a tiny... They call it a barndo, just so the phraseology here, right? Okay. So my tiny barndo, it costs... For walls, roof, not a lot else. Um, so, But the reality is that would be like a do-it-yourself. If you're going to have to have a contractor do the work for you, you're going to double that price up At to least. about $40 a square. Well, and they've priced it out, though, $40 a square foot. But if you're doing the $20, you're hanging windows, you're hanging doors, you're putting, you know, hooking up the plumbing, um, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, but, you know, for a semi-simple barn dominium, mm -hmm. you're talking 40 bucks a square foot, even having somebody else help put it all together. Okay. And there's some really, I was like, wow, these are kind of some cool. I'm sure they're cool designs. Cool, cool ideas and designs. Yeah. Um, there are links. Actually, you can buy these kits on Amazon too. Like if you just go to Amazon, they will ship them to you. I know, right? It's like 8,000 bucks to have like uh, the kit that you put together. <laughs> so you're, um, but it's not going to include well. It's not going to include septic. It's not going to include the dirt itself. Yep. So, so those are things obviously then it would, but it's an alternative to buying uh, a piece of land and then building a traditional home on it. Sure. Okay. So the other thing I want to talk about is the shipping container homes. Okay. Uh, and shipping containers, I think we all know exactly what those look like. They're on the back of semi-trucks. They're on the trains that go through town. They're on the huge ships that go. I believe go. they also, um, they live in the Panama Canal. Some of them do. Just for months. Yeah. And uh, the Su Suez Canal, I think that there was like oh, a. Oh, was that the, was it Suez or yeah, was it, it Panama? Oh, Panama. Panama. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, they, they do. I was spend, trying to make a joke about that. They spent some time in Panama. Um, <laughs> so the idea with shipping containers, and we've had this conversation with your brother Lincoln, who mm -hmm. talked about supply chains with Starbucks because he works with Starbucks. And the reality is, is that if there's an, a lack of equilibrium in shipping, like a whole bunch of stuff is coming into the United States and right. not a bunch of stuff is being shipped out of the United States, right. you have all these empty shipping containers sitting around with nowhere to go. And it's cheaper to buy a new one on the other side than to ship an empty one back. Interesting. And so, uh, so shipping container with... homes kind of came out of the idea of, wow, how about we recycle the framing of our home mm -hmm. and then build a house within that. And again, uh, we'll have some links to some websites and some different, like there's some super cool, like I printed some pictures out here mm -hmm. for you of some of the, the things that are really, um, so a couple quick things on shipping container homes. Uh, they're super modular mm -hmm. and you, and so the example that you're showing there, the one that you're about to pull up is a single shipping container, but the one that you showed were showing before was like three shipping containers put together. So depending on the size that you want, they're made to stack on top of each other. Sure. And so you can stack them up. You can put them side by side. The basic, they're 20 by 8 or 40 by 8. So the, the limitations to something like a shipping container home is 8 feet wide until you, unless you put them side by side and now you're spending more money, right, right to cut Which it Which is, in. I mean, you know, tiny homes, it's basically it, the It same. is a tiny home because yeah. you can pick it up with a crane, throw it on the back of a semi-truck, and drive it wherever the heck you want to go. That's hilarious. It is awesome. All right, so anywhere from $1,400. You need a composting toilet you, if you're going to well, do you that. Well, you don't need it, but you can well, I mean, have it. I'm just you saying, if you're going to move it around. It's called a little hookup, just like on your travel trailer, and you hook it into your septic. Yeah, yeah, Jeez. No, it's okay. We're, just... we're not talking about permitting them on this program. Yeah. Like, 
that is a whole different set of hoops. So small shipping containers that are used could be as cheap as 1400 bucks. New ones that are larger 40 foot, $6,000. And that's just the frame, obviously, and then you've got all of the finishes and things to go into it. Here is part of the inspiration why I wanted to talk about this okay. today, because my good buddy over at Numerica Credit Union, Dustin Masterson, and they don't like sponsor this show, so anything we ever say about Numerica is like legit, we believe. Yeah. Um, they just created financing for barn dominiums and shouses. Ooh, and, I have no idea. No, containers? the shipping container one, my brother oh. sent me a link the other day, and I was like, oh, that'd be fun to talk about. So I have no idea. I He's going to send me over some of the regulations. and um, But the reality is, is that if you're looking at, and we just had a client not long ago mm -hmm. that was like, boy, I really wish I could just buy some land with a shop on it that I could live in. And we're right. like, well, good luck getting financing on that. Yeah. But well, now exciting. it's a possibility. That is so cool. Because it's way more affordable. We really buried the lead there. That was the yeah, most exciting right? thing. Yeah. So if you're interested in some of these alternative living solutions, uh, message us on Facebook or Instagram or any of the socials. Call us at 509-62-HOUSE. That's right. Uh, we'd be happy to kind of have some strategy conversations. What a really, I mean, a great idea for like Airbnbs. If you're in a, in a market where there's lots of tourism, my brother was saying those shipping container houses, uh, there's tons of them down in Palm Springs and stuff hmm. for the festivals. So nice. Anyway. That's so cool. Yeah. No, I love so it. I thought it was an interesting thing to talk about. Hopefully Thanks, the rest son. of Spokane thought that was interesting as well. I think and, they will. Uh, I think they will. I guess with that, we should and sign Chip, off and get out of Chip here. And Chip and Joanne, we'll see you hey, later. you guys Coming message us dinner. too if you're in Spokane anytime soon. Totally. We'll go out and grab some bite to eat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All everybody. Right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.